The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is the first episode of the Zero Waste Countdown podcast, What's Wrong with Plastic? I'm on a personal countdown to zero waste, and I've given myself one year, starting right now, to see how close I can get to zero waste by the end of the year. I can't do it alone, so each episode, I'm going to explore topics related to zero waste so I can make more informed choices and help you decide which zero waste options are right for you. I'm going to start off with a story. On November 25th, 2016, Matthew LaRue was walking his dog along Tardigan Beach in France like he does most mornings. What he found that day went viral. A yogurt cup from 1976, perfectly intact, had somehow made its way, possibly from as far as Montreal, to the beach Matthew and his dog were walking on. How did the yogurt cup survive for 40 years intact? And why had it washed ashore now? And why hadn't it broken down after all those decades? How many more yogurt cups from 1976 are out there? And how many more yogurt cups from every single year that we've been eating yogurt are out there as well? How did it enter our ocean? The truth is, some of these questions are difficult to answer. CNN estimates 8 million tons of plastic finds their way into the ocean each year, and that's set to double in only 20 more years. Plastics damage aquatic life. From turtles getting straws stuck in their noses or their shells growing into plastic wrap deformities to seabirds and whales dying with full bellies of plastic debris to BPA chemicals leaching into the aquatic ecosystem and off-balancing endocrine systems, plastics are damaging our ocean at an alarming rate. How did this chaotic production and consumption of plastics begin? And is there an end in sight? Let's take a look at the Coca-Cola company. Coca-Cola started making plastic bottles in 1978. Before that, they were using the classic glass bottles. The reasons for the switch are fairly obvious. For one, plastic doesn't break. The plastic bottle was resealable, it was lightweight, and it was recyclable. These features of the 1978 Coca-Cola bottle made plastic containers a go-to item for restaurants, grocery stores, households, and even family barbecues. For similar reasons, many parents rely on plastics every day to run their households and care for their children. Just like Coca-Cola bottles, plastic in the home provides convenience, cost savings, and safety compared to glass. But that convenience comes with a price. From hormone disruption in children, increased landfill, increased fossil fuels for recycling and curbside pickup, We're part of a massive and unnecessary system that's added carbon to our air and chemicals to our oceans. Greenpeace claims that Coca-Cola increased its production of these plastic bottles last year in 2016 by over 1 billion. In total, it's believed that Coca-Cola produces more than 110 billion bottles each year. That means that more than 3,000 bottles are made per second. And only half of those are collected for recycling we assume, and only 7% are turned into new bottles, according to Greenpeace. 
Like Matthew's yogurt cup, most plastic bottles will end up in the ocean or in landfill where they won't be breaking down anytime soon. Matthew's viral photo of the 1976 yogurt cup has served as a wake-up call that if we don't do something soon, our oceans and the aquatic life within them will turn into a death zone. It's already predicted that by 2050, there will be more plastic than fish in our oceans. Sea salt has already been found to contain plastics, the kind we sprinkle on our own food. Sherry Mason, a professor of the State University New York, estimates that Americans ingest 660 particles of plastic each year at best. If you're wondering what's wrong with ingesting particles of plastic, look no further than BPAs. Bisphenol A, or BPA for short, is an endocrine disruptor that mimics estrogen. It's been linked to destructive effects on health and reproduction, such as aggressive behavior, decreased male fertility, and early sexual maturation. The U.S., Canada, and the European Union have all banned the use of BPA in baby bottles. Di-2-ethyhexylpithylate, or DEHP, is found in PVC pipes that transport our drinking water and has been linked to changes in male and female reproductive systems. A study from 2012 by Trisand and Bluestein from New York University linked childhood obesity to high levels of BPA found in urine. So not only are plastics damaging our oceans, there is peer-reviewed evidence that plastics are harming us and particularly our children. Dr. Leonard Sachs, a child psychiatrist with over 30 years of experience, notes that when rats are exposed to BPA in a 2004 experiment, the rats can't slow down and show signs of attention deficit hyperactive disorder, or better known as ADHD. Dr. Sachs recommends young boys stay away from plastics, especially bottles that contain acidic juice or pop that will leach the BPAs faster. Heating or freezing also leaches BPAs faster and is not recommended. Going back to aquatic systems, according to National Geographic, exposing freshwater fish to BPAs and other hormone-disrupting pollution is feminizing fish. That means that 60 to 100% of male smallmouth in the Northeast U.S. are growing female eggs. That's right, the boy fish are growing girl parts. Smallmouth are not hermaphroditic, meaning this is not normal. The finding indicates hormonal confusion called endocrine disruption that could be affecting all of us. And while we don't know the full effects on fish populations or on human populations, it's still a very worrisome and troublesome finding. Dr. Keith Jeru, Chief of Urology at Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto says that female hormone compounds, called estrogenics, can reduce sperm counts in men. A recent study out of Jerusalem confirms that North American and European men are experiencing a drastic 50% decline in sperm counts. The correlation between plastic pollution and health concerns like behavioral disorders, obesity, and infertility are not proven, but the probability is likely. More studies are needed, but the correlations are strong enough to conclude that we need to act, not only for the health and well-being of ourselves, but of our children, our grandchildren, and our oceans as well. The oceans are so important, not just for the life that they host, but as a food source for human beings and also as a weather generator for the entire planet. Going back to Coca-Cola, 
Their production of 110 billion plastic bottles per year is unethical, and we need to stop supporting this wasteful and damaging consumer cycle. We all have the power to vote with our wallets at the grocery store. When we buy, for example, the tomatoes without packaging instead of the tomatoes with packaging, we are sending a message that we want more tomatoes stocked that are free of plastic. This process starts with each and every one of us. Even if you recycle, for every plastic bottle you purchase, how many more are sent to landfill or are discarded along roadways that wash into rivers and eventually the oceans? How much BPA exposure are our children receiving from the bottles of orange juice we just bought or from the plastic soup bowl served at a local restaurant? Are they causing behavioral disorders for them later on in life? The published scientific studies provide mounting evidence that plastic overconsumption is leading to our next big planetary crisis. While scientists have put us on a countdown to 2050 to where there will be more plastic than fish in the oceans, I've put myself on a different countdown. I've decided to start a countdown to zero waste over the next year. I'm going to research and implement zero waste strategies into my household and into my life. I'm going to learn as much as I can about our current waste, recycling, social, and commercial systems that have led us to this point we're at, so that we can better understand how to dig ourselves out of the current trajectory. I don't want plastic to outnumber fish by 2050. By then I envision the garbage patches gone, the oceans healthy, the air we breathe clean, and our drinking water free from harmful substances, and less wasteful packaging on our healthy and readily available food. The zero waste movement is known for year-long journeys that end with one small jar of garbage, which is such an incredible feat. I find it very difficult to imagine myself and my family being able to hit this target. So instead, I put myself on a year-long countdown to zero waste. So I'm going to see how close I can get and how many strategies I can implement to reduce my waste and also my recycling. During my personal countdown, I'm going to slowly eliminate unnecessary items and habits from my life. And through research and interviews, I'm going to weigh in on the alternatives that I find work for others. So from bidets and diva cups to biomass waste facilities, I'm going to look at micro ideas around the home to community and global solutions to our waste problem. Scientists have put our oceans on a countdown that ends in tragedy with unknown consequences, but I'm going to put myself on a countdown to zero waste so that we can find solutions and have a better outcome by 2050. In one year from now, I plan to be much closer to zero waste than I am now. So let me give you an idea of where I'm at in this countdown. When I leave my house for the day, I bring a traveling coffee cup and a water bottle. This way, I know I won't need to buy a coffee in a garbage cup, and I won't need to buy water in single-use plastic bottles or juice or pop, which actually ends up being a lot healthier for me as well. I keep reusable grocery bags in my vehicle at all times, so there's no excuse for me to bring home any plastic grocery bags, although somehow they still end up in our house. They're very difficult to avoid. I keep two forks, two spoons, and a knife in my glove box in my vehicle so we aren't stuck having to use the non-recyclable single-use plastic utensils when we're traveling. If we're away from the car at a festival or something, then I'll try to choose a food option that I don't need a fork for, which is sad because I'm in Canada and we have amazing poutine here that usually requires a fork. But again, sometimes those, uh, those choices lead to healthier decisions as well. 
So as well, every morning I make zero waste coffee that I buy in bulk in my own container from either the bulk born or the new grocery store in Ottawa. And I use a French press. So this is actually a zero waste start to my morning, which is super awesome. And then I pack my son a healthy lunch for school without any packaging. But sometimes the bananas will have stickers on them, which is a tiny bit of waste as well. I refuse straws at restaurants, but not only do I find it difficult to remember to refuse them, I often get them in my drinks, even though I, I ask for water without a straw, please, or juice with no straw. Sometimes the waitresses forget. It's, it's a movement that hasn't really caught on to a lot of people yet, so it's definitely a work still in progress. I don't want my garbage resurfacing on ocean waves decades after I'm gone. I don't want my trash to still be around for the next century, and I don't want to hand over a malfunctioning planet to our next generation. I like to keep my house clean and tidy, and I feel that way even about my country and about my whole planet. This is all ours to share and, and to keep in, in good health. This week as part of my countdown, I have committed to purchasing apples that don't have stickers on them to reduce my waste. Going forward, I welcome you to join me as I talk to innovators, homemakers, scientists, and activists who all share my vision of a healthy, sustainable future with clean water and less unnecessary waste. It's not going to be an easy journey, but the countdown is on. Whether it's for a better planet or one that leads to destruction is totally up to us. We're going to focus on positive changes and positive steps that we can all take to reduce our footprint. Next week, we're going to be talking with Kim Vanette. She's a big mountain pro skier from Revelstoke, British Columbia, and a renowned geologist who spent years working in Canada's oil and gas industry, but who recently switched to renewables. We'll be talking about her latest geothermal project in British Columbia that's set to reduce waste from the oil and gas industry and provide a cleaner form of energy for communities. She'll tell us what led her to her career switch next time on the Zero Waste Countdown podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash, wishing you a wonderful week ahead of you. Thank you for listening. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.